We're here on the KNM Podcast. Ken Brown from WGI Radio, Michael Hare, DetroitLions.com, as we talk Lions football. Hello, Mike. Hello, Kenny Brown. How you doing? And something I can say that I haven't said probably since uh, January, first week of January, it is game week in Lionville, Mike. There's actually going to be a game this week that we can talk oh, about. Go ahead. Yeah, you, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kenny, there actually is a game, and we just came off a pretty good workout down at Ford Field on on the weekends on Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning and afternoon, the family fest. It really, you know what, for, for what it is, it was a hit. I don't, I you know, I don't know. I, I have different feelings on that as the years have gone on. I thought at first they were, it was creative and okay. Now I just think it's a, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, eh. Because if, if my memory serves me correctly, they started those back when they weren't having fans out at practice. Am I right? I think that's when they started. It could be, but well, probably not. It probably goes back to Cranbrook when they did stuff like that. Too. Yeah, but it was a look. It was a nice day. It was fun and had a nice crowd. And it was a good thing. Yeah. All right. I remember I went to one of them. It was like, well, I think was it Mary Uchi had it. Was somebody who had one? It was like a glorified walkthrough. It was. It was. It wasn't even a, well one of those practices. And I, I got turned off of them ever since that. So you know, I'm not a big fan of them. Well, you didn't even go. No, I'm just not a big fan of them at all. I'm just a big fan. I've been to about eight or nine a, of them. I'm not a big this fan. Is a, of them. This is a completely different one. I understand. I, like I said, I understand. I'm not going to harp on it. I'm just, you know, eh. you already have. I'm just. Eh. <laughs> You've been harping. I'm just. Eh. <laughs> anyway, good for the fans. I guess they said they had what at nineteen thousand out there. Good for the fans yeah. to come out. Just nineteen thousand people with nothing else to do on a Saturday, evidently, but to come out and see. Their Lions at work as uh, we go toward this season. Um, eventful week, and this is Hard Knock Weeks too, so we got to get that in. Hard Knock's first episode will be shown Tuesday night. And um, this, to me, is one of the things that I think the Lions are being progressive in in their um, marketing of the team. It was good for them. They den- they were denied doing it over the years. They didn't think it would be helpful. But I, I do think this will help, Mike, especially when your team is the second lowest value team in the league. When you say second lowest value. The valuations of the teams came out. The Cowboys, of course, are like worth $7 billion right. or whatever. The Lions are second to the Cincinnati Bengals as the lowest value. And right. it's all because of – Marketing is not because of anything they don't have. They got the stadium. They got a team, and it it doesn't really mean anything anyway because the team is only going to be worth what it's sold for. And as you see by that last team that was sold, nobody predicted they were going to get four billion dollars on a bid or whatever. So it's all predictable or predictive, but it's just the fact of they're looked at in such low esteem. And it's it, to me, it's all marketing. Well, I think it's partly marketing. It's also partly what part of the country your your franchise is located in. You'll. You go down and look at the ones that Forbes does, and those are the ones that I that I really, you know, I don't take them all all of them that seriously or any of them that seriously, I should say. But if you look at it, that's, like for example, the Green Bay Packers won 13 games three straight years, and they're like in the middle of the pack. Well, that doesn't. If you just talk about how the franchise has performed over the over the last you know, 30 years, how can that be? Well, it's, it's where they're located. That's part of it. Yeah, but no way in the world the line should be lower lower a uh, lower value than Green Bay. If you're talking about part of the country and where you're at and the market size of the team, the Green Bay should be the worst every year, but they're not, which is, goes to my point that the Lions are horribly marketed. I think you're overlooking the fact, overlooking the uh, the economics of the area. I think there's a lot more in it 
than you're giving credit to. There's a lot more in, in Green Bay than Detroit? Oh, I'm talking about Detroit now. Well, I'm just talking about the way it's marketed, and the marketing has a lot to do with the evaluation. That's all I'm saying. I think Detroit should not – it should be in the middle of the pack. So I'm not saying it should be up with Dallas or whatever, but a market size of Detroit, team with the history of Detroit, should be somewhere in the middle of the pack on value, evaluation, and they're not. And like I said, I don't want to get deep into it. I'm just saying I think a lot of that valuation comes from the, the marketing product and them being a losing team. Well, certainly not winning has it has an impact on it, but I think it's more. I just I don't want to beat this to death, but to me, it's more of a reflection of the economics of the area you're late located in and the area you're located in. Okay. It's a combination of things. Uh, we can go back and forth on that all day. I'll go with you on that, but I'm just saying. You tell me how a market of Green Bay size is more economically viable than this market, and I I walk with you. But I, until that day, and there's probably a few others I'm not even thinking about now too. But when you're behind any everybody but Cincinnati, look in the mirror, people. Look in the mirror. Let's get to the Lions. Let's get to it. I'm not preaching today, even though I feel like it. I'm not preaching today, but I am kind of intrigued by this Lions team. A lot of young players. As a matter of fact, there was one of the sites that came out over the week that had the Lions uh, in the top three or four of 25 and under talent-wise, which has been a while since the Lions have had young talent, you know, that people have um, – compared them to so it's interesting to hear the the critic well the former critics now lavish a little praise on the Lions for and Brad Holmes especially for taking a team a young team and building talent I agree with that you know they look they've had some 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 good drafts the first two they also inherited some good you know some good players especially on the offensive line in fact primarily on the offensive line and they added to it when they got Penny Sewell and some depth players but but I, I think it's undeniable that they've got some some good young players. We look at them now mostly on offense, you know, with Amon Rossi Brown, the wide receiver, with 90 catches as a rookie, and DeAndre Swift still waiting him to fully break out. But everybody can see the talent he has. It's a question of, you know, how, how much how, can he maximize that talent and become a major producer. And then other players, even some of the offensive linemen, are, look, Penny Sewell, a young player. Uh, Frank Ragnow, young player. That, that's you know J- Jonah Jackson, young player. Guys on the offensive line are big time players at a young age. Yeah, I, I I do I do like that, and I like the enthusiasm they're playing with, and I like the all of that. But I'm still I haven't decided yet where I'm at with what I think this season should be and how many they'll win, or just what I want to see. But right now, I think the main focus should be on just being a you know a congruent unit being able to go out offensively play hard fast defensively play hard fast and that's what I want to see in these exhibition games probably we're not going to see since there's only three this year I don't know what we're going to see by the starters but I do want to see that and I want to see a little continuity remember last year to me preseason it was it was all crazy because of the COVID and everything anyway but it was just I didn't see a continuity to it, and I think that went into the regular season. This year, I think they should fly through this preseason and when regular season game one comes with Philly, be ready to play. Well, I don't know if anybody's really ready to play on the first game of the season, Kenny, but I agree with what, what you're saying. You know, be, you know, have, you know, look like you've done your homework in the off season. I think they, the Lions have done that, but of course the test is when you get on the field in, in September 
at Ford Field against, you know, first the Philadelphia Eagles, and then the second week they play against the Washington Commanders, unless they've got a new nickname in the last three <laughs> days that I don't know about. But, right. But I, but I think, you know, I'm gonna, I, I, to me, if you want to look at the big picture, look down the road a little bit, I know we're not doing that today, but I think the mission for the Detroit Lions is, is pretty much the same as I thought it should be last year, only at, a, at a, an advanced uh, rate is that be a better team at the end of the season than they are at the beginning. And that was that was not the case at all the previous three seasons here in Detroit. They just they just deteriorated three straight years as the season went on. You know, they were at 500 or whatever it was, you know, after like three and three or right, something three, like three that. Right, three and one, the last seven. And, and mm-hmm. just, and just continued to, to, to deteriorate, but they did not deteriorate last year. Now, look, when you, you start out 0 8, it's easier, you know, it's easier to finish, you know, somewhat strong because of the way you start. But I thought really they were, just if you looked at them at the eye test, regardless of the score, they were a better team at the end than they were at the beginning. Yeah, you got to be careful with that, though, too, because I remember Marty Morning Week the year they lost all those games in a row. I think they won the last two. Or finished two, right, and, two four, and two. two yeah. yeah, and then the next year they fell apart again. So you got to be careful with that. I don't think this is the same type of uh, circumstance because that team was older, and they, you know I didn't, I didn't really see any building going on with that team. This team, they did the the, the the dirty work last year. They did the flushing out of stuff, and you know now they're building on a young core, which Marty's team didn't. So th- I think this is a whole different thing, and this is the, the opportunity's there. And what I want to see, Mike, I don't know about you, when I watch preseason games. I look for one thing. Forget about plays. I, I I look at pre-snap penalties. If you see a lot of pre-snap penalties, I mean your team is not well coached. And I, I've always said that even throughout the years. You can tell if guys are lining up wrong, if they're jumping and they're doing stuff before the ball is even snapped, then you got problems. And I, that's all I look for in preseason. Are they lined up right? Are they snapping the ball right? The physical stuff will come and go. You can change players out or whatever. But if they're not getting the lessons – and they're not, you know, not into that playbook, and they're not doing things the right way. I mean, they're not coached good. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Well, I, I don't disagree with that, but you know, but but there are different periods or different points in the in the game. Each game, as you go along, starting with the first one, and then you know, then two more against Indianapolis, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, it's a different cast of players there at the end of the game than it is at the beginning. And you you expect the guys who are out there, usually the starters or or the number twos. Out there, you know, for, for to take you know most of the snaps early in the game. When you get back there at the end, when you got you know, you know, uh, free agent pickups and like that's going to be it's going to be a little bit different because you don't have the same quality of players, you don't have the same experience of players. So there is a little bit of difference in that. Yeah, that, but if you, you know, if you can coach those guys up, out. if you can coach those guys up, and you're coaching them to do the right thing then that tells me that you've got a good coach. I agree with what you're saying. At the end of the game, when you got guys that won't even be on the team playing, it's crazy. But if they're doing their assignments right and they're not making mental mistakes, then you know your, coach, your, your coaching is, go, is getting through. That's what I'm saying. That's why when the preseason games happen, the physical part at the end of the game, you got guys that won't be playing, getting beat. Okay, that's going to happen because you're playing with guys that won't be playing. But if they're making mental mistakes, I mean, you're not getting through as a coaching staff. Yeah. I don't. I don't disagree with that either. But I, I think you, just just from what I've seen here, and look, look, it's practice. I got to admit, watching practice every six days a week, near the end of the day, you might not notice everything. Right. <laughs> Con- concentration might wander a little bit. But I don't. I haven't seen a lot of that. I, I really don't. And the one other thing, Kenny, and 
you know, Dan Campbell, the head coach, some people kind of don't quite take him seriously because of some of the things he says. But out there on the field, he is all business. He's not, you know, that he's he's all business. You could see that at the start of that. I mean, there was an example of that. It wasn't the only example, but at the start of that family fest Saturday at Ford Field, when he was out there in the middle of the field all by himself, the guys were just starting to trickle out to warm up with some notes and making notes to himself and explained that, you know, we talked to him a few minutes after that and why he did it, and it's because, you know, certain details of things he wants to see, players he wants to look at, things for his coaching staff, his coordinators that he wants to look at. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a volume that he had with him, but he had, you know, a few sheets of paper, I think it was, and uh, I thought it was a good sign, you know, that he's, he's out there prepared, he's not just winging it. And by the way, he didn't have a pencil in his ear when he was doing it. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with that. And like I said last year, I think we said this uh, together. Forget about the way right. he says something. Listen to what he's saying. And you can tell right. he's just not, you know, a meathead out there running around, hitting his head in the wall and trying to, you know, rah, rah, rah guys to death. He, he actually no. says stuff, if you just listen to it, that is very insightful. And like I said, he has a coaching mind. No, he absolutely does. And and, and he says things to – look, you Whatever language you speak, and some people speak multiple languages, some but barely have, you barely get by in English. What his his number one language is communication. He communicates whatever you want to. And I'm maybe being a little bit esoteric about this, but he communicates. You understand what he's talking about. There's none of that. Hey, what did he say? What did he, what, what does that mean? No, you know, right. because he's talking football to football people. Right. And I, and I always said that's most important, and I always go back. You know, I you know what I call that Mike that type of coach. It's the, it's the Michael Curry rule, and for those who remember the Pistons coach Michael Curry, Michael Curry was going to be one of the greatest coaches ever. He the players loved him. He was tough. He was all about couldn't communicate, could yeah. not communicate. It was it was a, it was a problem. He had everything else going for. That's why he never became a great coach. He had everything else. But he had a problem communicating it. He could not take from inside the brain to outside the mouth. It just, it just didn't get there. I mean, it just didn't I've get never there. Heard, <laughs> you know, I've never heard, I've never heard it quite put that way. But you said it in a way that even I can understand. Exactly. I'm sure that people listening to our podcast can listen to the great Doctor Brown. Doctor Brown. But yeah, as I'm going, and Marty Morning, Marty Morning Mick was the same way too. He was another one. I shouldn't just you do could, Michael you know Curry. Michael Morning Mick had a great. A great mind for football, couldn't get it out. Exactly. You know what? From his opening press conference here when he got hired, then came down later in the day to the as they do to the site of the Super Bowl and did a second interview down there. He looked at it and says, "I don't think this guy can make it." And look, it's not only talking to your to your players and we'll face it, the fans and all that other stuff. You're the face of the franchise, whether you like it or not. But in talking to your players, but it's not just them; it's also your coaches. You got to coach your coaches. That's right. You exactly. The, 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 so a lot of guys, a lot of people don't understand that, and a lot of people, a lot of coaches that just can't cannot do it. They really can't. Whether it's they're in, in, intimidated or, or not, I don't know what it is. But you've got to be able to do both. That message has got to trickle down from the top to the last player in that in that roster. Exactly. All right. I don't want to go through play by play, week by week, who, who, every player in every position in battles, whatever. Just give me. Um, we'll do it by the week, Mike. Give me some impressions of guys who impressed you this week, and a few guys who uh, need to do a little more in the next week. I just, we'll do it that way. Just tell me who, who impressed you this week and who's. Eh. 
whatever. Well, DJ Chark, num- number one on offense for the Detroit Lions. He, I thought he he just he looked good. And one thing, and t- Tim Twentyman, my writing partner here at DetroitLions.com, really kind of uh, uh, passed this along to me. How he catches the ball, every ball with his hands, arms exp- extended. That's a big difference, and a, and, a, and, a, and a much better way to do it than one of those body catches where you kind of trap it against your shoulder pads. You're not going to see this kid drop many balls, but. You know he he's uh, shark at, at the family fest on on Saturday scored two of the four touchdowns at two of the four touchdown catches and both in different ways one lined up left and just at the snap shot off the line of scrimmage wide open in the end zone and for a, just a very crisp perfect throw from Jared Goff and then ended the ended the session with a 33 yard catch when he really had to track the ball Kenny it sort of reminded me a little bit of a little leaguer with a wind blown fly ball. Now, I'm not saying he's a little leader, but in other words, he had he had to track the ball and he got it and kept his feet in bounds right at the left corner of the end zone, right at the front left corner of the end zone. I thought he was I thought he stood out more than anybody. Uh, uh, Goff looked good, I think. He was he was efficient. He was decisive. He he really had a feel for what he was doing. Much different guy than we saw a year ago. Uh, I just I just thought. I just thought he was good. One guy on defense who showed showed up for me, and I've been kind of watching him. And maybe I'm just maybe I'm just watching him because I want to. But Deshaun Elliott, the uh, safety that they got, free agent safety they signed in the off season, had played uh, his first four years with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. You know what? You play safety at the, with the Ravens, and you're a starting safety. That the next step has been, been the Hall of Fame for the last you know, 20 or 30 years over there. And I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer. He's a very, very sharp player. He, he looks smart. He looks committed to what he's doing. He had a nice uh, interception. I think it was off of David Blower. He just read. Yeah, he read the ball like he was a like he was a receiver, Kenny, and and stepped in front and got the and got the pick. Uh, other guys, eh, the offensive line. It's hard to tell. Whittle, you know, it's hard to tell in those circumstances because the offense, the, the defensive linemen know that they can't, you know, they can't hit the quarterback, and so the rush is different. Uh, and I think that's about it for me. Look, I, I didn't see a running game. It's not going to really get a, a really value a running game in a game like that because, like I said, there's not there's not full out contact. Right. So the wide re, the, the running backs are they, they just run till they're done running. Mm-hmm. Uh, any uh, players uh, you want to see more from over? Your, I mean, this goes over the whole week of practice. I'm just going. Well, yeah. I want to see more from Jeff Okuda. I really do. I want to see is he going to win the job as a starting cornerback or is or is Will Harris going to beat him out? I mean, Will Harris is really a committed player. I'm not, I'm not sure everybody's on his bandwagon. I like him a lot. I really do. I think he's a quality guy and a and, 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 a, and a good player, not a great player. But he's. Look, we'll see if we'll see who wins that job. It's, I, I think it's open. I really do. I think he. I think there's an open competition there. And one other one that's going to be greatly scrutinized, and including by myself, I'm, I'm on your side on this one. I want to see who the backup quarterback is. I haven't seen it yet. I really you think haven't. it's on? You think he's on his roster? I think so. Yeah, okay. I think so. Because I, 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 mean, I, I got a feeling they, they might be another. Well, there might be one, you know, but they're not going to bring in two. Okay. But they might bring in one more, but they wouldn't bring in two. But I would look at nothing would surprise me. But I would be listen. I would be more surprised if they brought in two new ones than I would be if they stood pat. Right. Yeah, I want to see that too. Um, my uh, things there. I um, I want to see more from Jared Davis. Even though 
he after we talked last week, I guess he's had a few good practices and he's coming on a little bit. And maybe they got a plan for him, and maybe we're just not seeing it. Maybe they know what they're going to do to him. They're going to keep him. So that's what I want to see a little more from. Got to see something from Anzarike. I'm sorry, second round pick, second year. I know he got hurt a little bit. He's been out some time, but I expect him to pick it up in this preseason. I expect him to get in there yeah. and play and show why you were a second round pick. Yeah, because yeah, right, they'll move on. They'll move on. And they haven't had great luck with these second-round picks anyway, so I want to see that happen. Um, I want to see Josh Pascal get back in there sometime during this preseason. I don't know how long that sports hernia injury he had. I know he had surgery, how long. They never said when he had it. So I, I hope he's back by the end of the preseason, at least can get a couple snaps in in preseason and work his way in slowly during the season. I want to see that. Um, also, T.J. Hawkinson, I want to see more out of him. Well, I don't want to see more out of him in the preseason and the exhibition in the preseason. Well, I mean, in practice, this kind of practice and, and stuff too. I'm talking about. I just want to see more he, out of him. He looks, he, he looks fine in practice. I want to, like I want to see him be the leader of that offense. I want to see him be the, 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 if not the number one receiver by catches, second. He should be up there, because if Chalk is as good as he's playing now, and Brown is good, and you got Williams and those guys coming in, it's gonna be a lot of open space for that tight end. He's a safety valve. You, that offense should click, and I want to see that. So that's what I want to see. And um, I want to see Malcolm Rodriguez move. He's been moved was, into the I lineup. Was, I was just going to mention that. Yeah, I want to see he, an he, exhibition play. Now that he's getting the accolades, you know, the the the, the unheralded pick, running with the ones and the twos. I want to see him in the game. I want to see exactly what he's got. Because you know, some guys, you just put a football, you put him in the game, and they play. Forget about where they were drafted, yep. about how big they are, how fast they are. They get in there, and once once the the thing goes, they go play. And maybe he's one of those guys. I want to see that. Well, we talk about short guys. He's five eleven and two thirty. Well, on this this last weekend, uh, Sam Mills was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The late Sam Mills, I might add. Uh, he played at uh, five at five nine. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, is 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 it is it? Would you want him bigger and taller, faster, and all that? Of course. But they don't all come in that shape. They don't all come in that size. And Malcolm Rodriguez is a ball player. Now, we'll see how far it goes. You know, there can be limitations. I understand that. But he's aggressive. He's active. He's smart. got good hands. And, and I like him a lot. I really do. All I know is I, I saw I was right next to him. I talked to him face-to-face. He's bigger than Jordan Dizon ever was. So he may be small, but he's bigger than Jordan Dizon. I remember looking at Jordan well, Dizon like, wow, is this a linebacker? So – He's shorter. Well, it turned out he wasn't. Well, true, but he's shorter. But I don't. He's he's got some. He's, it looks like he has some weight on him. So we'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll he's see. listed at two thirty, and I think he'll put on a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Other than that, um, like you say, I'm you know my backup quarterback rule. I'm like I don't think he's on the roster. I think they're gonna somebody's gonna cut one, or they're gonna get traded one at the end of the year for a, like a late pick, and that's gonna be their backup this year. Because I'm I'm just not impressed. I'm not impressed with Boyle. And I'm not impressed with David Blah. I'm just not. I'm sorry. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it we'll plays how out. It plays like I out. said, it wouldn't, surpri- it wouldn't surprise me if they bring one. It would shock me if they brought two. It wouldn't surprise me if they keep keep both. Yeah. All right, Mike. So any other closing thoughts before we uh, end this uh, podcast and look toward the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the week? Well, I want to just see, you know, I think, I think uh, training camp is a progression, and this is a progression week to get ready to play a preseason game now. Look, I'm not telling any big secret here. They're not playing to beat the Atlanta Falcons. They're playing to be a better version of the Detroit Lions. Do they want to win? Of course they do. That's not, they're not going to be ridiculous about this. But in these games right now, 
the uh, it, what you're looking at is you're looking at yourself, and you want to see you're looking at strictly at yourself, how you perform, how can you handle stress, things like that. There's a lot of little things that go into it. Uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't say the scoreboard is meaningless, but it's not meaningful. Right, uh, I like this. Approach. But Kenny, but it wouldn't hurt this team to start learning how to win either. But like I said, remember the year they went four and zero, and they went zero and sixteen. Sure, shows you shows you the value of the preseason. Um, with three games, do you think the starters will play a lot in the three, or just a little Friday and a little bit the next week, and none the third game? How do you think they're going to handle it? I think in the third game they will be spectators in Pittsburgh and. Uh, and maybe get a series in though, just to throw the ball because it's going to be two weeks before they play, right. before they play uh, Philadelphia. So you might want them, you may not want them on the shelf that long. Although they will be practicing and all that, but uh, but I don't, I can't see them getting in a lot of work in the in the third preseason game. Uh, but but they certainly need some. Look, you want to get your timing done, and you want to, timing down. You want to do it against people who try or trying to play, you know, play for keeps. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. All right, well, that's Michael Harry, DetroitLions.com. Check out their play and all the work they do on this site. Uh, Kim Brown from WJ Radio, Mitch Album Show, will be doing Frank Ragnar every Monday starting with the season, so we'll have that. And uh, Hard Knocks is on on Tuesday night, so check it out. If you don't have HBO, buy it for the next six weeks or whatever, and you have it, and <laughs> we'll, we'll find out exactly what goes on behind the scenes at the Detroit Lions training facility. All right, yeah. Mike. Thanks a lot, Mike. See you next week. Okay, Kenny. Thanks for having me. All right. It's Michael here.